Good morning, everyone. It's good to be here with you this morning. It's very special to see so many folks here, some we don't see for a while, haven't seen for a while. Christmas is a special time of year. <clears throat> Anybody asked you recently if you're ready for Christmas? I have had that happen to me. I'm not sure how many times in the last few days or weeks. How do you answer a question like that? You know, I've been thinking, and the title of this uh, message is, How Should I or We Celebrate Christmas? You know, there's no other holiday all over the world that alters people's behavior like Christmas does. Um... I've been thinking about that, but, you know, there are some, um, even some Christians who think that Christmas is a holiday barred from the pagans. They refuse to celebrate. There are others who want to celebrate something in the winter, but they deny Christ any part in their festivities. And then there are many who have a knowledge, even a working knowledge of the story, but they observe Christmas in a way that detracts from and denies God's plan. So I've been thinking about Christmas observances as I've looked around at the hubbub of activity. What about the glitter and the gifts and the lights and decorations, the overspending and frenzied preparations? Where are we in all that confusion and what are we teaching our children? So are you ready for Christmas? I had a lot of memories. I guess that happens as you get older. You have more memories, don't you? So I had plenty. I even glanced at that larger preacher-sized clock back there. It even has a date on the one side, if you notice, for the really long ones. Um, going back to my memories, though, I remember Guatemala. You know, next month it'll be 30 years that we came back home. Hard to believe that. Those four, four a pico years are a big part of our lives, it seems like. But Christmas, yes, back to Christmas. Christmas is a big holiday in Guatemala. It's very big. All of Latin America. All over the world, I said. Centuries of Catholic influence and missionary efforts have informed the most remote Mayan villages about Christmas. Traditions and rituals have been handed down for years from high society to humble campesinos. Farm people, everybody celebrates my Navidad. Christmas starts early in Guate. Um, oddly enough, it starts about the 7th of December with the Cama del Diablo, which is the burning of the devil. Uh, sort of the idea, the way I understand it, is to rid oneself of evil, to rid the city of evil, letting go of your negative past. So they save litter and trash for weeks and burn it in the streets along as the effigy of the devil um, on that night. The whole city lights up. It's, it's quite impressive. Uh, but as Harold Kaufman noted, uh, it doesn't work. He's still there the next day. That's the 7th of December, and about day, I think the day following, there's a, there's a very important to the Catholics, celebration and parade of uh, one of the virgins. Another interesting one is the Dia de la Virgen de Guadalupe, the 
Virgin of Guadalupe, which is a town in Mexico, oddly enough, that the Guatemalans celebrated uh, very vigorously. Um, but what happened, there was a poor campesino, a country man, he was an Indian actually, he was converted, his name was Juan Diego in Mexico, and supposedly the Virgin appeared to him as a poor, poor person, and um, four times actually, and she wanted a, a special um, place to be built, a basilica to be built in her honor there. And there were supposedly some some uh, miracles that happened around that. So anyway, this Mexican version asked for a, a, a basilica to be built. And so all of Central America, much of Latin America, celebrates this Mexican virgin who appeared to a poor person. It resonates with them because many, many in Guatemala and Central America are poor. So her statue is carried through the streets on the 12th of December, and mothers dress their children like little campesinos. They paint, put mustaches on them, and they wear little white hats and dress up with their pantalones, and they look like uh, country folk. It's a big, big celebration. Got another interesting one from the 16th of December through the 24th. There are the processions of Los Posadas which is interesting because what happens there, they have these statues, images of Jose and Maria, you know who they are, and they get carried through the, the streets at night to three different houses. And at the first two, each night they're denied entrance, no posada here. At the third, they find a place they can take the, the images in, they rest there till the next night where they repeat it and go to three more houses. So from the 16th to the 24th, uh, for the nine months that Mary was, was pregnant, is the idea. And finally, on the night of the 24th, baby Jesus travels along. He shows up, and he travels along with the procession. They stay. He stays at the third house for a brief period of time, and then they went through the streets to the church where they have an 11 o'clock mass. Lots of preparation. And then... At midnight, Los Cuetis, the firecrackers, at midnight, everywhere, everyone is lighting up ametralladoras, estrellitas, bombas, and more all over town. There's all different kind of fireworks, and it sounds like a war zone. Guatemala City, or the MAM mission in Guati, is on the kind of the north slope of the town, and you can look out across the city from up on the flat roof, so you can see the smoke rising all over the area. After all that preparation, uh, Christmas Day is actually fairly anticlimactic, pretty quiet. Firecrackers again at noon at six, of course, but um, everybody's sort of recovering from the celebrations, family time, and tamales. I know I've been a little negative there about their observances. There are redemptive things and all that that I haven't mentioned. On the whole, it could seem a little silly, couldn't it? Fortunately, in a more advanced country like ours, there's probably more meaning in our celebrations. I'm not sure. Customer in yesterday was complaining about the long hours his wife was working at the ABC store. Seems like this is their busiest time of year. And it seems like another god is worshipped by some, the almighty dollar. 
where Christmas items go on sale before Thanksgiving. We don't do firecrackers here at Christmas, but millions of dollars are blown on unnecessary things given to impress folks the givers don't even like. Christmas tree sales alone total close to $6 billion annually, enough to build a wall, I believe. Gifts and goodies and lights and trinkets related to Christmas total over $600 billion in our U.S. economy. It's one of the retail's most valuable seasons, very commercialized. Even God's people can get caught up in this. I know there are redemptive parts of this picture, but I wonder what God thinks, what we miss out on, and what our children are learning from us. So if Christmas is leaving you or leaves you in January, leaves you a little empty figuratively and financially, here are three questions for us to think about this morning. And this is the meat of the sermon. Number one. This seems important to me. How does God view Christmas? Now, that shines a bright light on our event, doesn't it? The Incarnation was heaven's idea, not some commercial marketing campaign. And it wasn't an iffy game of chance, this baby thing in a hostile world. It was a king's entrance into his creation to bring the possibility of his kingdom to every man. A mission to restore the relationship of God and man that was broken at the fall. I've come to love Psalms 45. Here's another Guatemala memory. Mark Gingrey, bless his heart, we had very little in the way of music. He recorded on an old cassette some music from an older piece of vinyl of the King's Herald singing Out of the Ivory Palaces. Some of you probably know that beautiful song. It's based on Psalms 45. You get a chance to listen to it. Let me read the first eight verses of Psalms 45. This is from the NIV, I believe. Think about this. Think about heaven's perspective. And I know this is messianic because uh, if you'll, if you'll, after I read it, be thinking about Hebrews 1, verses 8 and 9, I believe, where these, this passage is quoted as being applying to the Son, Jesus. This is heaven's perspective as the Son is sent on his mission. My heart is, and it's like God the Father or one of the deity talking about the Son, the other, another person of the deity. My heart is stirred by a noble theme as I recite my verses for the King. My tongue is the pen of a skillful writer. You are the most excellent of men, and your lips have been anointed with grace since God has blessed you forever. Gird your sword on your side, you mighty one. Clothe yourself with splendor and majesty. In your majesty, ride forth victoriously in the cause of truth, humility, and justice. Let your right hand achieve awesome deeds. Let your sharp arrows pierce the hearts of the king's enemies. Let the nations fall beneath your feet. Your throne, O God, will last forever and ever. A scepter of justice will be the scepter of your kingdom. 
You love righteousness and hate wickedness. Therefore, God, your God, has set you above your companions by anointing you with the oil of joy. Note that word. All your robes are fragrant with myrrh and aloes and cassia from palaces adorned with ivory. There are the ivory palaces. We have a picture of the send-off, the celestial send-off for the sun. This mighty one, equipped, armed to defeat the enemies. He's, his robes, his garments are fragrant with these healing oils, with myrrh and aloes and cassia, with hints of overtones of suffering and pain among them. From the ivory palaces, the sun was sent forth. This is the celestial send-off that prefaces the incarnation. And then this king made himself of no reputation. His victorious campaign, paradoxically, was through suffering and service. His kingly exit from heaven's side was awesome, but his earthly entrance humble and insignificant, except for angels on every street corner. We see hints of that. We're told in Philippians chapter 2, the ESV tells us, Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. What a contrast. But I think it helps us to see what God thinks of Christmas. That that incarnation was the send-off, was the reality. Heaven's King was sent forth, emptied himself down to the manger size, took on him the form of a servant, born in the likeness of men. Hebrews 12, 2 says, We look to Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. That sounds like a Christmas carol. Joy. Oil of joy from Psalms 45. Joy set before Christ for his completed work. Joy to the world. No doubt in my mind that an event of this magnitude in heaven's estimation is well worth appropriate celebration here on earth. Question number two. How does the incarnation affect me personally? Do I recognize, accept, and remind others of the reason for Christmas? Christmas is about God mending something broken so eternal reconciliation can be restored. It's called salvation. Jesus is the answer to life's big questions of suffering and dying and the hereafter. We still don't understand the whys, but Emmanuel, God with us, is how we can face the future. Got any rivers? Old Simeon, in Luke chapter 2, had had a long go at puzzling life out. He was an old man. He was a good man, righteous and devout. He had puzzle faith. He had faith that God knew what he was about. He had a personal relationship with God that included the promise 
before you go, before you die, you'll see the Messiah. He hung on to that. It was a special promise for him. When Joseph and Mary and Jesus walked into the temple that day, he had been stirred and brought from his dwelling and came. When he saw Jesus, he said, Lord, now let us now thy servant depart in peace according to thy word. For mine eyes have seen thy salvation, which thou hast prepared before the face of all the people. A light to lighten the Gentiles and the glory of thy people Israel. Now many Old Testament saints had died and went on to their reward without seeing the Messiah. So that wasn't an essential part of it, but finding salvation is an essential part of dying right. Do you remember Nottaway in the pineapple stories who wished the missionary had come sooner so his father could have heard and could have learned how to die right? Dying right is important. Simeon died right. Seeing and accepting Jesus the Messiah as our salvation prepares us for dying and living in peace. I was thinking along these lines. Christmas 1985 came to mind, back to Guatemala. Mm-hmm. We've been in Guatemala a little over a year. But a letter that Yuri Sharp had written us was still on our minds. He wondered, this was after the mission board had approved us, Yuri wrote another letter, wondered if we were really ready, were we really prepared. He mentioned missionaries of years gone by who had packed their luggage in coffins uh, with the high likelihood they would die on the field. Yuri was always a big encouragement to me. A thought-provoking letter. Pastor John Troyer had just been killed three years before, and the country was still racked by civil war. Christmas, 1985. On Christmas Day, we learned that Edwin Mass, a young fellowship missionary, had been killed by a hit-and-run driver in Chamaltenango, just a few miles up the road. We went to the memorial service the next day. At the memorial service, we heard, we learned that Janet Weaver had died in Quetzaltenango the night before. She was the wife of missionary Larry Weaver. She had epilepsy and um, smothered herself during an epileptic seizure. So we went to her funeral only a day later. And this was Christmas. Mark. Gingard wrote a stirring article in the next newsletter titled, Tragedy or Triumph? In that article, he made clear that for the Christian, because of Christ, death can be a triumph. It was still painful. It was still scary. But it was bearable. And the reality was that death can be a triumph for the Christian. When Emmanuel... God with us is our companion for the journey. We can walk without fear. That sounds like a reason for an appropriate celebration of Christmas to me. Question number three, and I'm winding down here. How does my celebration affect my children? 
We need to ask ourselves then, do my children see Christ through our celebrations? The children love sparkles. They love presents and good food like your parents do. They love activity and lights, trees and glitter and tinsel, sleighs and reindeer and winter wonderlands and snow and songs and jolliness. There are so many shiny sights to catch their eyes. Some are self-inflicted. Not all that glitters is gold, you know. Let's make sure that they understand where the real value is. The reason for Christmas is easily understood by children if we make sure it happens. And I would say to us parents, let's, if we allow other things to catch their eyes, let's make sure through all of the celebration that they see Jesus. Make sure that they know. Help them to see that real stars are amazing. God's creation is wonderful. Things that are real. Help them to feel the warmth of family love and peace. Help them to see how clean forgiveness feels. And the lasting peace and joy of the hope of heaven that Jesus brings. Help them to feel the wonder of an innocent little baby coming out of heaven's majesty, that great king, and being born and living and dying and rising triumphant and joyful. This makes everything else pale in comparison. And that, I think, is reason for appropriate celebration. So go ahead, celebrate. Let's just make sure we see Jesus through our celebrations. Uh, that is, after all, the center of Christmas. And I just want to say I've been blessed this morning. I think this is a very appropriate service. We have been worshiping God. We have been thinking about the reality of the story. And I know it's we're feeling it in our hearts. So let's encourage each other and celebrate Christmas the way God wants us to. God bless you.